This is Mises Weekends with your host, Jeff Dice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Once again, it's time for Mises Weekends, and we are joined by a voice that I'm sure many of you know, our friend and compatriot, Yuri Maltsev. Yuri, how are you? I'm doing very well, and you? I'm, I'm excellent. Just a bit of background. For those of you who aren't familiar with Dr. Maltsev, he was born and raised in the former USSR, where he obtained his Ph.D. in economics and actually worked on some of the Gorbachev-era uh, uh, perestroika programs in economics before defecting to the United States. Uh, more importantly for us, he's a senior fellow at the Mises Institute and also going to be speaking at our event in Dallas-Fort Worth next week on Saturday June 2nd. So if you're in Texas or driving distance of Texas, be sure and join us next Saturday morning. You can go to Mises.org slash events to find out about that. But Yuri, I want to start. Do you ever get sick of people asking you about socialism and communism just because you grew up in the Soviet Union? Do you ever feel like like you're repeating yourself? <laughs> well, I would say that, that, that unfortunately, this ugly creature, socialism, is kind of raising its head here. I mean, it's unbelievable what is going on right now in our press. Uh, you know that in Washington Post, which I lovingly call Washington Compost, they just hired certain Elizabeth Buring. She's writing almost every week that we should try socialism. Why we don't try socialism? And every, every week, Washington Post is publishing this communist propaganda. <clears throat> My answer is, why not to try cancer? Less deadly. Yeah. Well, you noticed that uh, Maduro won his sham election the other night. We, we, we seem to hear this repeated over and over by our, our friends on the left, that, that people like Maduro and much less Stalin or Lenin or Mao, they don't represent real socialism or real communism, that they're dictators. So what, what would be your response to that? Yes, and now they declare that um, <laughs> that Canada is a socialist country, that Sweden and Finland and Norway and, and Mr. Sanders or Comrade Sanders even declared Denmark a socialist country uh, to the point even that Prime Minister of Denmark kind of was saying don't badmouth Denmark, uh, please, uh, because we are a free market uh, economy. <clears throat> And that's uh, that's what they do. They want to disown the bad kind of uh, the dictators, and declare that that socialism is is when you have a free dental uh, care, then then this is socialism already. No, uh, this is not socialism. Socialism is abolition of private property. And Mr. Maduro, and Mr. Kim Jong Un. Together with Stalin and Mao Zedong, they are true, true socialists um, or murderous Castro brothers. And, and so you can see that uh, at first they were so excited. If, if you remember NPR or PBS, they were praising Hugo Chavez, uh, uh, that uh, socialist dictator who began to dismantle this beautiful country, Venezuela. So right now there are millions of people running away in horror. Yeah, it really is something. Uh, you knew Murray Rothbard, didn't you? When you, when both of you were younger. Oh yes, I was so, uh, was so blessed, uh, was so blessed to meet him. Uh, that uh, meeting Murray would be one good single reason to defect from anywhere. <laughs> well, I would say. But we don't hear this term much anymore. Mixed economy. It used to be used in political science courses, I believe. But Murray talked about how even partial diminutions in control and ownership represent semi-socialism, meaning even taxes and regulations 
are a form of socialism. You don't have to have outright public or state ownership of property. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that gets us into trouble because we sound too radical? I do. I do agree absolutely that that there is no uh, middle way between uh, socialism and and the free market, uh, not at all. And Murray he pointed at this uh, several times, and and I would say extremely persuasively. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, for Mises himself, he in Plant Cows, um, he was uh, talking about that that any movement out of free market, it's already movement towards slavery. Um, then um, Hayek wrote to serve them that that any kind of social planning would end up in in serfdom. Uh, so this is absolutely right uh, because these two systems cannot be merged. You cannot have a little bit of freedom, a little bit of slavery mixed. Um, that doesn't work at all. Uh, but I think that the litmus test of ownership of private properties. Today, we, we still can enjoy private property in the United States, but our enjoyment is limited because of the myriad of different regulations, taxes, uh, all other kind of um, uh, government attempts to, uh, to turn us into public slaves. Uh, but from another hand, I would say that, that this process, uh, fortunately, is not finished. I mean, in a sense that we still live better than most people on this planet because we still have maybe not a full control of private property, but, uh, but maybe higher, um, higher level of control mm-hmm. than people mm-hmm. in, in, in other countries. So it's a, it's a spectrum. It's a continuum of sorts from, from markets to socialism. Yes, yes, of course. But, um, but third way, I think, was uh, Lee Kuan Yew, Prime Minister of Singapore. He used to say that the third way leads to the third world. And he was absolutely <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. that, 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 that there's no such thing. Lenin, amazingly enough, Lenin understood that. Yeah. His point was that mixing socialism and capitalism would be like mixing water and oil that they just do not mix. And his point is that that's why they wanted to, to immediately abolish private property, immediately kill, kill people who own private property. Uh, I just had a, uh, I just came back from Washington. I had an interesting discussion with one social scientist. Uh, and he was, uh, he was he just, uh, I couldn't believe that social scientists today are talking, um, talking about it. And uh, his point was that uh, that we can have kind of democratic socialism, uh, which would be kind of all right. And he believes that socialism is is free health care for all, or or other things like that. And they just don't know anything, and they don't know why people would be killed under socialism. They would be killed under socialism because socialism does not have any incentives to do anything. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I told him that I think that the, the greatest uh, promoter of equality was Stalin. Uh, he killed all rich people, so everybody became equal. But isn't it interesting how guys like him, they're absolutely convinced that socialism would reduce inequality and that there would be either no or, or, or a smaller elite class in society. And of course, history shows that that's completely the opposite. Yes, this elite class, that's who is promoting socialism. That's what, what Hayek wrote in Why Intellectuals uh, Love Socialism, that because socialism is giving intellectuals claim to power, that they know better, they can see farther. 
Uh, and there are gray masses who should be liberated, but there are still gray masses who should be led. Uh, so that, that's the whole idea is that there will be professional revolutionaries. And I think that the United States, academia, like 85% think they are part of this, of this revolutionary vanguard. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, speaking of Hayek, if democracy leads to social, democracy leads to socialism, given our benefit of hindsight, the second half of the 20th century, the beginning of the 21st, uh, it, it's a serious question. Were Hayek and Mises wrong about democracy? If Rothbard's right, that any amount of state uh, regulation tax zoning equals a diminution in value and or a diminution in ownership and control and thus semi-socialism, does that mean Mises and Hayek were wrong about democracy? It's kind of an open question. Um, that's right. Yes, that's right. And I discussed it with Murray many times because I think Murray is um, he is radical, very radical, and rightly so. From another hand, there are different, I would say, probably different tints of gray in between black and white, in a sense that still it's better to live here than in North Korea. So from that point of view, I think that infringement on private property. I mean, there are certain things with private property in the United States which are completely egregious. For example, the, the, the wetlands, uh, the, whole, the, whole, the whole idea when you have a title for wetlands, which it's, it has a great negative value, and, and on and on like that. But from another hand, uh, from another hand uh, I think that still we are not a socialist country, definitely. Yeah, and the difference in degree is huge. Yes. I mean, that can be the difference between a, a happy life and a miserable life. So we shouldn't discount it in, in that sense. Exactly, exactly. The same thing. Uh, yes, I, I was uh, last uh, couple of days in in District of Columbia, had a seminar there. And, and many people would say, well, look, I mean, this, for example, speaking about our President Trump, yeah. that he's not a libertarian. Of course, he's not a libertarian. Uh, but from another hand, he's more libertarian than most other presidents, especially in the 20th century and 21st century, uh, in the sense that, that it looks like he does not attack private property. Uh, deregulation, I think, is, is spectacular. I mean, in, in one year, he achieved uh, quite a lot. He dismantled maybe six or seven years of building all these this regulations. I kind of also the, all this global warming farago uh, uh, went down the drain. So, so I kind of think, and I and I agree that I agree that the best would be not to have any president at all. That we can govern ourselves much better than the the, the people in Washington D.C. But it's again the matter of degree. I mean, if like to to talk in absolute terms, then definitely any president is is just a, a, a product of adverse selection in politics. Uh, but from another hand, if um, uh, if we'll just look practically, I think that that definitely there's a sea of difference between Mr. Trump and the previous president, who was just Marxist-Leninist. But you're, here's what galls me: is that socialism and communism, even when, even when we're talking about them here in the in the ostensibly capitalist West, they're always portrayed as well-intentioned. Their, their failures are always excused. It's just it didn't work out, but, but they were well-intentioned. Therefore, it's, it's okay or even cool to display a sickle and hammer or, or a Che Guevara t-shirt, whereas capitalism is dog-eat-dog, -dog, but it just works better. And from that, we get this muddled uh, support for, for what's currently called neoliberalism. But, it, but this, this idea that socialism and communism are well-intentioned but just went awry in history, uh, I mean, what, what do you re how do you respond to that? 
Well, uh, the first thing I respond, I never use the word communism because communism was never practiced. It, it's just a, a slogan. It's utopia. Uh, communism, Marx even was asked, uh, when does he think communism would occur? He said, I think four or five hundred years from now. So we're still on a wait list for another two, 250 years. Because what is communism? Communism is utopia. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of like paradise on earth that, that the people would be working for free uh, and working very hard and consuming very little because there will be such angels. Uh, there will be no government. It's kind of like some libertarians even thought that maybe it is a libertarian kind of utopia in the sense that there will be no no government. Government would wither away. You don't need government because people would be angels. They would self-govern uh, themselves. But to make these wonderful angels, uh, you need to turn people into these angels. And that's why they all the time, all socialists, from Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, um, Pol Pot, Mao Zedong, they all talked about a new man of tomorrow. A new man of tomorrow. Lenin, I'm working in the archives in the Library of Congress, and, and I'm reading through Lenin's handwriting, uh, and Lenin wrote that we inherited from Tsars in Russia, we inherited very poor human material. He doesn't even call humans humans. Uh, <clears throat> very poor human material, which can be enhanced only by mass shootings and forced labor. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. And I kind of see my... One of my responsibilities before I die is to tell as many people as I can about the mass atrocities which happened everywhere in all socialist countries with no exceptions. And, um, and according to Rudolf Rommel, a, a great American demographer, about 200 million people were exterminated, were considered to be, to be a part of pest control, uh, according to Lenin's words, during the, the course of the last century, um, that, uh, including uh, 60 million in, in Soviet Union, 78 million in China, and, uh, and, and a lot of others. Um, People were killed 10, 15 percent of the population. And uh, to tell the truth, there is a, many people discussing whether it's, for example, about Russia, whether it's 43 million or 61 million. I don't even care because both numbers are completely outside of my comprehension. The amount of this evil is, uh, and, and Stalin realized that. He used to say, death of one person is a tragedy, death of a million, just statistic. And that's, yeah, that's, I think it's million tragedies, not, uh, and if you look what, what communism is, uh, I just have a, have a communist manifest on my, on my table to, to get myself angry all the time. And, uh, and I'm quoting from there. In communist society, nobody has one exclusive sphere of activity, but each can become accomplished in any branch he wishes. To hunt in the morning, fish in the afternoon, rear cattle in the evening, criticize after dinner, without ever becoming hunter, fisherman, herdsman, or critic. So you can see what, the, what this called. Communism is just a carrot, and the stick is socialism. And uh, because socialism is, is the first stage of communism. And many of my colleagues in academia would say, well, actually, socialism is good. It's fascism is not good. And communism is, is not good. But they don't know what communism is. And they don't realize that fascism is just another form of the same socialism. Yuri, a lot of our critics, of course, 
will claim that X, Y, and Z is not real socialism. And then they'll throw back in our faces that things like rent-seeking and regulatory capture and lobbyists, that those are inherent features of capitalism, that those are part and parcel of capitalism. Give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any, any kind of signs of capitalism. That's why I call it uh, socialist cronyism, because it, uh, these are the signs of the same deadly disease which destroyed the Soviet Union and other socialist countries. It is not capitalism. It is socialism corruption. Socialist corruption, because if you don't have private property, can you imagine what kind of corrupt society you are creating? That means that those people who are in charge are effectively are slave owners of others. And they can do whatever they like to do with these people. And that's why they were killing them. Because as bad even as, pri as private slavery is, uh, the, the socialist slavery, public slavery is, is much deadlier. Because you can destroy people who are, whom you can consider not as assets, uh, but as liability. And so that's what they were doing. And that's why 200 million people perished uh, in, this, in this revolutionary holocaust. Interestingly enough, that Karl Marx used this word first. He was talking about the revolutionary holocaust, in which he was, he was thinking of burning not only capitalists, but also so-called racial trash of Europe. And that would be Basques, and that would be Slavs, and that would be... Uh, Scottish Islanders for some reason, and Serbs. So that was uh, that's that this this ideology, Marxist ideology, any left ideology, uh, is deadly. It's, it's it promotes violence, and only classical liberals and libertarians uh, they pr promote peace among people and among countries. So, Yuri, final question for you. We understand left and right and fascism, socialism, etc. But talk about the media in this country, in America and in the West. Here we've got, we've got a socialist mayor of the, one of the largest cities in the world, New York. We have an outright socialist, Bernie Sanders, who is almost the Democratic Party's nominee for president. We have outright socialists teaching at public universities at taxpayer expense all over the country. But if you read the Washington Post and the New York Times, you think that the rising problem in the United States is the alt-right, a few thousand disgruntled social media guys, or it's some, some Ku Klux Klaners running around in the woods in Mississippi. So, so talk about this, how, how the, the, the media uh, makes it sound like the Trump phenomenon represents a right fascist threat, when in fact, from our perspective, the threat is, is left socialist. Exactly, yes. And it kind of, they made my job much easier because, say, 25, 30 years ago when I just came to the United States, media was pretty bad, socialist media, but not as bad as today. Today you can, if people would ask, uh, how, how was propaganda in the Soviet Union, I would say, not even as effective as here today. It's just amazing what's happening. It's uh, CNN or MSNBC or, or Washington Post or New York Times, or almost everything else. Um, I cannot even, and, and moreover, it became not only socialist, not only promoting communism, but it became so tedious, it's just impossible to watch it. Look, I mean, if you will look at what 
especially NPR and PBS, were doing with, they praised all dictators. I remember how they were praising Castro. They were praising Gorbachev. They were praising, um, they praising uh, Hugo Chavez all the time. And CNN and, and MSNBC, at least they're lying on their own expense. Um, I mean, if you have Jeff Zucker at the helm of the of the CNN, he is just destroying CNN. CNN is is losing its viewership. It's it's already it became completely. I mean, nobody respects it anymore. Even people who are watching it. What I am kind of trying to at least raise awareness about is a national public radio. Let's call it national propaganda radio or PBS because they're taxpayer-funded. And, and I remember uh, Paul Ryan is my congressman, and I invited him to talk in my classes. And he, he spoke in my classes saying that as a libertarian, I'm quoting him, as a libertarian, I'm very much against government funding for public radio, public television, for national endowments for the arts, national endowments for humanities. And instead of that, he is increasing funding for the president wanted to defund NPR and PBS. Uh, no, um, the, the Speaker of the House, uh, well, fortunately not for too long, uh, he increased um, funding for NPR and PBS. And this is this is a shame that we are paying we are paying our taxes to to, to it's a very cynical thing also. Uh, and they're brainwashing us for for this. Uh, and I think that especially in NPR. You know the Supreme Court ruling about uh, workers' rights that that workers should be treated as individuals instead of being just a herds uh, driven by the shepherds from unions. Uh, they in all NPR stations all over the United States uh, that there is a huge blow to workers' rights and on and on and on like that. So they um, they um, they're serving. Uh, union leadership, they're serving the, the left of the Democratic Party. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when, uh, when a Soviet expat is telling you that American media is propaganda, you know we have a problem. I hope Speaker <laughs> Ryan uh, pays attention to that. Uh, Yuri Malsev, thanks so much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in Yuri or what the Mises Institute does and you're in Texas or the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come see him and come meet us. A week from now, on Saturday, June 2nd, you can go to Mises.org slash events to find out more about that. And Yuri, thanks a million for your time. I look forward to seeing you in a week. Very good. Subscribe to Mises Weekends via iTunes U, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or listen on Mises.org and YouTube.